0: Hello and welcome to Ep. 27 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for downloading our show today, wherever you are listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, the huge week of interviews rolls on today with Open Water Champion and Pampax medalist, Mr. Nick Sloman. Had a great chat with Nick about three weeks ago and we discussed his training in the ocean during COVID-19, his legendary coach JR, his career in the pool and in the ocean so far, as well as some of his big successes in the Fina Swim World Series. So let's get stuck straight into today's chat. No messing around, just like in open water. And App 27 with Nick Sloman starts... Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the
1: second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the
0: extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down
1: the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a meter on Van der Noofden's hand. But the sinister of all eyes is the great battle butterfly, Susie O'Neill is coming back oh he surely can't do it to him again Cevich in the white right hats, Feltz in the black hats, and Feltz as well it. I cannot believe he's done that
0: Joining us today on the podcast is an open water star who has traveled all over the world competing against the best open water swimmers of the world in countries like Japan, Portugal, Qatar, South Korea. He is a bronze medalist from the Pampax in 2018 and a gold and silver medalist from FINA's World Swim Series. It is a very big welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast to Mr. Nick Sloman. Nick, how you going, mate? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Eat. Mate, I can't complain today, got to be honest with you, i a pretty chilled morning. What about yourself? What have you been up to today?
2: Um, well, I started by um, with a swim in the morning and, and then I went shopping to get my mum's Mother's Day present and now I'm just chilling at home before I have to go to swimming in the afternoon.
0: Very nice, mate. Very nice. Now, for all the listeners out there, uh, I'm coming to you today from the studios in Sydney and Obviously, everyone knows now that is my garage. Um, and just for everyone's um, just for everyone's information, because Nick is an open water swimmer, I've decided to lift the garage door up today and open myself to the elements. So just in case you hear a motorbike going past, or a dog barking, or somebody swearing as they're walking past on the footpath. Uh, that's actually because I've opened the garage. So that may or may not be a good decision, Nick. I don't know where this is yeah. going to go today, but just oh, lot, mate, let's shake it up, uh, you know, in honour of yourself being an open water swimmer. Um, anyway, mate, where have we caught you today? Whereabouts are you?
2: So I'm just sitting in my humble abode, uh, Pragian Beach, about 10 minutes from the, the tourist hotspot of Noosa.
0: Very nice. Mate, it's a great spot up there. You must enjoy living up that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, going to see other places in the world and, and coming back, I, I sort of wonder, thinking, what's the point of going anyway? because I'm living in the best place in
0: the world. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Mate, so I sometimes get very jealous calling you guys, especially, you know, the people up on the sunny coast and that stuff because everyone will say, oh, you know, what's the weather like? And you guys are always, oh, pretty sunny, nice and warm, you know, went to the beach and I think, oh, I've got to stop calling. I get too jealous. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, it wasn't. It was a bit chilly this morning, a bit rainy as well. So, um, it might it might have been better down at uh, Western Sydney. Who knows?
0: Okay. Oh, well, that makes me feel a bit better then. Thank you for that news, <laughs> 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 mate. Talk to me about how you've been going in isolation, and um, we'll talk about the training stuff in a second. But in terms of just being stuck in your house and only being allowed out to to sort of exercise, how you been coping with that? Yeah.
2: Um, I'll be honest I It hasn't been too much of a difference I mean apart from our training That's changed um, You know I'm mainly Focused on trying to improve myself As an athlete so I don't really go out To the the hot spots And, and do all that kind of stuff so um, I'm just trying to stay motivated I guess because it's a bit hard with all the Competitions um, being cancelled and, and postponed and the like So um, I that's, the, I guess, the hardest thing that I've had to deal with is the fact that, you know, it's really hard to stay motivated um, in this time.
0: Hey, talk to me about how you and your coach and your teammates have been staying connected. Do you have a WhatsApp group? Do you have, like, a, a once-a-week Zoom meeting? How have you been staying in touch?
2: Uh, well, my, my coach is a bit old school. He's he's 81 now, so mm. the, uh, the phone call is the best way to communicate with him. Yep um you know he he's there on the beach in in distance um he gives us a set his um, daughter sends a set through our Instagram chat group and um we're able to to follow that set from distance but yeah he's still watching and, and keeping an eye on us and um, still giving us little tips and tricks here and there
0: very nice, mate. Now we you just mentioned there some of the training you've been doing. A lot of people, depending on where they are, I mean, you guys are very lucky. You're on the beach, so you get to jump out and have a bit of a splash. Give us a little insight into your week at the moment. How much are you in the, you know, in the beach? How much are you doing dry land? I know I saw on Instagram you're going for a run yesterday. Like sort of, you know, how are you juggling all that at the moment? And what does your week look like?
2: Um, so our swim sessions have decreased a lot. Um, swimming in the open water nonstop is is a lot harder to to do. So we've cut our kilometres down to, um, 4K session. We're doing that about nine times a week. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in my spare afternoons off, I'm I'm going for a run, um, just around, around the block a couple of times, roughly around four to five K, um. And then I'm doing my dryland gym work um, three times a week in the middle of the day as well. So I'm lucky that um, my gym have got um, a little pack that I was able to purchase before they closed down, and so I'm able to get the bands out and, and try and focus on my my strength and, but obviously not neglecting my flexibility and mobility as well. So, um, yeah, I've just been trying to, to do that while I can and, and – as I say, keep motivated during this time.
0: Yeah, nice. Mate, talk to me about swimming in the ocean. What's the temp like up there at the moment? Do you have to get the wetsuit on? And is it is it getting a bit fresh?
2: Um, it depends. Like in the morning, this morning was probably a wetsuit. But you know, I'm a bit weak, so <laughs> uh, the water temp was probably only 22 degrees. So if if we had to race in it, it would be a non wetsuit swim anyway. So um, it, we're not swimming that long either. So, really, you could probably survive and, and bear it at the moment. But um, it's probably getting that time where we have to wear that wetsuit soon. So, yeah.
0: Mate, Olympics got pushed back, as we know, to 2021. What effect yeah. did that have on you mentally, given, you know, you would have been preparing to try and make the team for this year? How did you handle yeah. the news? And, you know, was it a, was it a blessing? Speaking to many of the athletes on the podcast, you know, it's mixed – signals i guess some were you know some were really happy because they probably weren't in the best shape leading into this year and some were probably disappointed because they felt they were in the best shape of their career how how did you find it
2: i'm sort of a little mixed about the situation like at the end of the day i've got another 12 months to prepare for it but then again my competition also has another 12 months so
1: um
2: given that situation i've sort of just got to deal with it just like in any situation in the open water, you know, things just pop up out of nowhere and you've just got to adapt and, and and learn how to deal with it. So um, at, at the moment, it's probably a, a good thing because yeah. after failing to to make the open water team at, um, at Doha, um, I'm getting another crack at it, which is a good thing. Um, so hopefully I, I can get the job done and next time around
0: absolutely now in terms of preparing for that and you know looking ahead have you guys already sort of started to map out a plan and 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 how you're going to get there and what you're going to do or is it a matter of because everything's still so much up in the air it's just sort of you know one foot in front of the other doing your day-to-day training for now and once everything kind of gets finalized then you can sit down with jr and, and really nut out a plan yeah well
2: the selection's still a bit up in the air at the moment there's they can't really plan anything with the current situation. So um, at the moment, we're just trying to tick over the engine, make sure that we're not losing any fitness and um, so that when everything goes back to normal, hopefully we can have a good crack and not how to plan, as you say, and, and um, obviously get the job done.
0: Mate, I want to take all our listeners back to a, a young Nick starting out because obviously um, for anyone who's who's not familiar with you and, and your, your career so far, it's a great chance for us to get to know you a little bit better. What are your sort of first memories as as a swimmer, as a young guy jumping in the pool?
1: Well,
2: probably the the only memory I have as a youngster is, is my first ever swim meet, and that was at the age of five. Mm-hmm i um was doing a 25 meters butterfly managed to swim that in in 35 seconds
0: oh nice <laughs> and uh, <laughs>
2: managed to pull off a, a bronze medal which is probably one of my proudest uh achievements to date even with the current um achievements that i've been able to do just because of the obviously started my career and um uh, if I probably didn't get that bronze medal, I probably wouldn't be here today. So um, it's probably a big stepping stone towards what I've been able to achieve.
0: How'd you it's go fuzzy. as a five-year-old mate? Were you getting the arms out of the water? <laughs>
2: well, that memory's a bit fuzzy, but you know, it was, even doing butterfly these days, it's a bit hard. So I would imagine <laughs> I wasn't looking too pretty.
0: Actually, did I see you in the pool the other day on a on a bungee doing some yeah, flying?
2: That's- yeah, I was doing a bit of fly. I think I might
0: be going insane because I don't, I don't <laughs> like doing butterfly. <that> <laughs> Mate, who were your heroes growing up? Did you, did you have any swimmers that you looked up to? And I guess another way of tackling this question sometimes, because other people, you know, might not have grown up watching swimming throughout their, you know, younger years. Did you have any athletes from other sports that you looked up to? Um, as as a youngster,
2: I was, I was. A breaststroker towards the end of my younger career mm-hmm. um, so my idol there was a Christian Springer just for that I was a hundred meter breaststroke and then after that after the age of 11 I moved into the open water I moved into the surf life-saving mm-hmm. um, simply because I fell out of love with the pool swimming and I just needed some like a little switch up so I decided to um, go into the self saving side of things, maintain some fitness and and that. So, and then after that, I, I really enjoyed it. And, and my hero there was um Kyle Hurst, just how he could manipulate the surf and, and be able to read everything there. It was just insane. So just to this day, I'm just trying to, you know, replicate what he was able to do and um, obviously knock off his records that he set with 10 Australian
0: surf titles and that. So hmm. hopefully I can do that in the future. Yeah, nice. Mate, at one stage in your career, you would have been trying to make, you know, a national team or a junior team, something like that. Talk to me about some of the things that you've had to change along the way to, to before it all started to click for you. So, you know, I'll give you a few examples. Maybe it was, you know, upping your sessions, upping your kilometres. Maybe you're trying to get the stuff away from the pool right in terms of, you know, nutrition, prehab, rehab.
2: Yes. Yep. So um, I guess the biggest change in my program was the fact that I specialised. So when I was trying to make the junior open water team, I was trying to balance surf life saving as well as open water. Mm-hmm. And that meant I was only doing about 20 kilometres in the pool a week because um, I was doing other training like boards, running, ski and it just isn't viable for those that are tripling, quadrupling my training load. So um, I sort of had a, a chat to JR and we sort of had a plan and, and we, that year we upped it from 25 to 55
1: mm-hmm.
2: and um, from there I think I came 12th the year before and then the year after that I, I managed to win the Australian title so... Simply just by doubling my training load, I was able to to do things that you know I never dreamt of doing. Basically,
0: now, how'd you go with that transition period? Obviously, you just <laughs> touched on then. You know, the kilometres certainly. Uh, were upped there and, and the sessions would have been vastly different in terms of you know training yeah. for a 100 meter breaststroke as opposed to a, a 10k race how did you go with that transition period with the kilometers did did you find the body you know took a while to get used to it did you started getting sort of uh, any sort of shoulder complaints things that you had to get on top of with your prehab stuff
2: um well it wasn't really like i was probably end up doing the amount of training anyway but the fact is that I was doing all of that swimming now and none of that um, boards and, and ski. So the load on the body wasn't that different. Um, and I was able to maintain motivation because I guess I made the switch because all the people that I was racing against, the likes of Bailey Armstrong and Kai Edwards and that they'd qualified on the on the back of that junior team and I guess jealousy got to me a little bit and mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, I want to be just like them. So I knuckled down and got to it. And next thing you know, you know I'm Australian champion next year.
0: Mate, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on for a chat is I'm a massive fan of open water swimming. Uh, I think what you guys do is amazing in terms of, you know, your training and competition. And as a coach myself, open water isn't always the easiest sell to the swimmers as they're coming through, especially swimmers that I identify as, you know, really good distance swimmers. It's still hard to to sell that. So if I was to give you my coach's hat for a second and, and, uh, you know, Give me a a little sales pitch from you as to why, you know, swimmers should be giving open water a go. Um, Probably
2: the biggest sale point is is the fact that every race is different. And unlike pool swimming where you jump in the pool, it's exactly the same down to the millimetre. You get to race in different conditions, hot, cold, salt, um, normal water, and then you've also got, different locations as well, different size courses, two and a half K laps, one K laps. And so, and you've also got the size of the field, which also changes as well. Mm. So um, you've got all these different elements trying to chuck into one. So the the hardest thing for open water swimming is, is actually learning from races and and trying to find a, a, a race plan that works for you. And that obviously that experience comes over probably a four to five year span and I was lucky to to get that experience through self-life saving but if you're just a pool someone trying to come in you'll probably find it a little bit hard and that's probably the um why they don't like it as much yeah um but I just have a little faith I guess and, <laughs> and hopefully that, that four years um at the end of that four year period you're you're a bit more comfortable in that pack situation and um, you'll start to enjoy it a little bit more. Um, and another bonus is that you get to experience full hidden gems of the world. Yep. Um, you wouldn't be able to race in, in places like the Seychelles in the, in the pool. So, um, or even some moon Lake in, in Taipei, that was a really good location as well. So um, yeah, it's, I thoroughly enjoy it. I like it, those main points is what's um, Sold it to me and and because I I don't I get bored very easily like I don't like doing the same thing over and over and over and over again so um yeah and also um you don't really have to be the fastest swimmer to to um compete in the race Mm. most of the time the smartest swimmer will beat the fastest swimmer so just having your wits about you and and sticking to your race plan can do you wonders Absolutely. um,
0: I love the unpredictability of it, right? So just, you know, obviously the conditions can change and, uh, you know, what each swimmer is going through within their race. But I agree with everything you just said, mate. I think you sold it brilliantly. And if any of my (laughs) swimmers listen to this podcast that I've spoken to them about doing open water there you go now mate you mentioned there a few of your you know races and the places you've been to give me a little insight into you as an athlete and, and as a competitor do you have any pre-race rituals do you have any things that you you know you've got to do before you go and race um you know to make sure you're ready to go um
2: well domestically when i can i, I like to eat my favorite meal prior to the race I just. Calms me down a little bit. Make sure that I've got a, a full belly, ready for race day. And, mm-hmm. and um, but apart from that, I don't really have any rituals. I just want to make sure that I'm relaxed and 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 confident going into the race. And, and hopefully that will. Um, yeah, that's that's
0: basically it. Now your favourite meal, mate, is it butter chicken? <laughs> yeah, that's
1: it. That's oh, it. there <laughs>
0: you go. The research. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I might have messed up with one of those things before, mate, but uh, I didn't miss out on the butter chicken. There you <laughs> yeah, go. <laughs> butter <chicken it> is. <laughs> hey, talk to me about what about musically. You know, what do you have a pre-race playlist? Do you have something you know you listen to before you race? Um, not, not really.
2: I, I prefer to listen to the the chitter chatter of the officials and and the environment. The, listen to the atmosphere a little bit. It, Like, I don't really want to close myself down. I want to open myself up to the elements and um, have a look at what's happening, basically. So I'm not, um, I guess, unaware of, of what's going on around me.
0: Is it a sense, and I guess it's a good point you make with open water because there's so much around you know health and safety and and all the advice going on and and you know the, talking about the course itself and rules and regulations that you kind of have to be paying attention so you don't miss out on anything?
2: Yeah, so we're lucky that um, when we race internationally, um, we have a, a briefing prior to the race and it's twenty four hours usually, and they will give us basically water temp and um, the, the race layout, how many people are going to race in the race. That's basically all we really need because um, we get to see it firsthand anyway and look at the conditions ourselves. But um, the important information is obviously water temp and size of the course and all that kind of stuff because that will change the way that the, the race is done. Because... Um, like if it's below 18 degrees, we all have to wear a wetsuit. Mm-hmm. And that obviously balances out the field a little bit more. And So we've got to change our race plan a little bit. Um, more so if it's uh, 30 degrees, like Seychelles, we need to make sure that we're packing extra feeds and making sure we're staying hydrated and, and cool prior to the race. So um, I guess they're probably the main things.
0: You mentioned some of those places there and you've competed all over the world, as I said, in many different, you know, great locations. Mm -hmm. And and I'm quite jealous, to be honest with you, because I like travelling myself. (laughs) Give me, say, your top three countries that you visited. And we'll take results out of it. So don't worry about, you know, how you swam there. Because yeah. sometimes if you've had a, a shit swim, let's be honest, you'd you look back and you're like, oh, I don't want to go there. Yeah, yeah. Um, take, yeah, take results away from it. What are your top sort of three countries that you visited that, you know, even the culture around it, you, you really loved? Um,
2: I would have to say Japan is up there. Yep. The, the people are just so kind and genuine, and the place is just so clean and everything's run down to the T perfectly and and the same goes for for Taiwan as well that was one of the best races that I've ever had to be a part of nice fresh water um that that venue was spot on something like I highly recommend if anyone's in that region go have a look at that um and then obviously Seychelles was was brilliant um it's just like the African Fiji, so if anyone's been to Fiji, they sort of understand how mm-hmm. how nice that place would yeah. be, and, and and South Korea's like we probably went in the. It would have been like nice to go to Seoul, but unfortunately, just like open water, we sort of get put out to the sticks a little bit, and sometimes it can be a good thing and, and a bad thing.
0: Mate, you've been in a few big moments through your career so far, and you just touched on before you know, Japan and how much you love the place, and and there's no doubt that you do because you picked up a bronze medal in the 10k uh, at the Pampax yeah. back in 2018. Talk to us about that feeling of you know getting a bronze medal on the big international stage.
2: Well, going into the race, um, you know, I, I had no expectations really, first. International benchmark meet. Um, we had two World Cups prior to that to qualify and it was a pretty Pretty strict qualifying. We had to come top 10 um, In the one of the World Series to qualify off the back of that and doing that is is no easy feat. So um, Especially the first year international racing as well um, So to even qualify for that event, I was absolutely stoked for and um, going into the race um we spent half the week with the pool team i training there so i was watching the, the pool races as well and i was getting a little bit g'd up and then we moved out to the sticks into uh the countryside basically and and did our race there and only about uh, 14 swimmers were in it so that was a couple of tents that fixed up there like completely different atmosphere to the the pool side where there was loud music clapping from all the the fans up in the stadium. And, um, so it was kind of a little bit surreal, really, to be honest, like seeing such a jump in, in atmosphere, but, um, it was probably 25 degrees. So it wasn't too hot. It was, we were expecting a a warm race for that. Um,
0: that's pretty nice, isn't it? 25.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was good. And, um, it was a bit choppy out the back of the course and a bit protected on the inside. So um, we sort of had to make sure that we were working around the outside of the course more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was probably, this is the probably the most thing I was disappointed with was coming into the last lap. Um, Jordan Willimowski, I knew how good he was and I was just sitting third in, and a US slope was sitting on his feet and, and Jordan Willimowski managed to, to escape my line of sight. <laughs> and unfortunately, I wasn't able to stay with him. So um, who knows if I was able to stay with him.
1: Yeah.
2: It could have been a, a different result. But, um, you know, you live and you learn from those mistakes. And, you know, always moving forward, trying to make sure that I'm learning from even if I do win, okay, what have I done right? What have I done wrong? Yeah. Um, And, yeah, so that was basically my story of that race.
0: Make great advice there, and especially when you said even if you, you know, even if you come away with the gold, there's still things to learn. I think that's that's brilliant advice. And it takes me to last year in Seychelles, and as we touched on just then, for anyone who doesn't know what Seychelles is, it's in East Africa, um, if you don't know your geography, and and don't worry, I didn't know either, and I Googled it, and I even actually Googled how to say Seychelles because I had no idea as well. So <laughs> so just, yeah, don't feel bad if you have no idea. Now, that was the Fina's World Swim Series, and, and you added to your career highlights there. You finished second in yep. the 10K. Now, for all the listeners out there, mate, open water racing, obviously, and you just touched on before, you know, it's very different to pool racing in terms of, you know, the course changes, the conditions change. Um, It all plays a major part in in how you race. Um, You know, talk to me about some of the different conditions you've faced, say from Seychelles to to South Korea to Doha. You know, where has it been probably the worst and and where has it been the best for you?
2: Um, Well, we'll start with the world champs in Korea. Um, That was a, a pretty cold race. It was 22 degrees them in the water yeah um clarity was still there but it was a massive field i think 90 swimmers plus so um it was very compact race and and considering what was on the line with 10 spots of the olympics available um it was always going to be a fast race um so the, the likes of Pouchinari and and flowing wellbrock really took it out and Pretty much sat at threshold from the word go, and that created a, a little bit sort of tense atmosphere in the race.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, going into that, into the third third feed, I decided not to do it, which was probably a mistake on my part. Um, which then meant that coming into that last lap, last sort of six hundred meters, I was sort of feeling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the shoulders were hurting, and I probably could have done with a little bit more nutrition I'm coming to the last little bit um, the in terms of the size of the race that was probably the big thing um, you're always trying to stay away from people as much as you can but also trying to stay as closer to them I know that's a bit funny to say but yeah. you, you basically want to stay as close as you can but um, so that you can get a a good draft, but also stay away from them so you don't get whacked around the head and jabbed in the ribs. Mm. So um, that was probably a, a, the biggest issue um, compared to, say, say shells, where it was a very hot race, thirty degrees, much smaller field with about thirty, um, and because of that, people were racing a lot more conservative mm-hmm. and making sure that they were, were feeding every station which then meant that they weren't swimming as fast through the laps, which definitely made it easier for the slower people to, to stay with the pack. And it just meant that the last lap was super quick. And And say so Doha, we had that large field again, but it was even colder. We actually had to wear wetsuits this time around, which which um, balanced the field out a lot um, in terms of ability, which meant that the finish was crowded we had about 45 people in the pack towards the last lap, um, which just meant that it was just fists and whoever could get out the, the other end um, is least escaped, Yeah, basically got the best result at the end of the day. So um, it just means that when it's tight like that, you've just got to be a little bit more smart and, and um, sort of swim around the outside as much as you can and, and
0: obviously not get hit. Mate, you mentioned that stuff there and, and you know, with all the, I guess, unpredictability of, of open water swimming, which, which is why I yeah. love it, as we talked about before. Yeah. Um, you know, so many things to navigate during your race, you know, conditions, the pack, and as you said, you know, things like feeding and are you going to feed and are you not going to feed? And I myself as a coach have been left on the pontoon when uh, on my swimmer said he was going to feed and then didn't. Yeah. It yeah. just took off and, okay, fair enough. Mate, give us a little insight into your race plan for a ten k event. Uh, is do you have a general plan, or does it is it literally you know depending on conditions and and the size of the field and and temperature and all that stuff, the plan changes each time.
1: Yeah, the,
2: it it will depend on the conditions and and the size of the, the laps also count. So how many times can you actually go in and feed is a is a big issue. Like say if it was eight laps. Like it is at the Australian titles, you have more chance of going in for a feed, and mm-hmm. um, so I usually tend to, to stick to three to four feeds if I can, um, depending on where there's space. Obviously, depends on the size of the laps and how many laps we're doing, and, and what temperature is, and um, who's in the race, basically. So, um, but in terms of the the tactic, it's it's. Most of the time it's to stay at the back, stay in contention, um, stay out of trouble basically for the first half of the race and start to move my way through from there and make sure that I'm up the front towards that last sort of 500, 600 metres.
0: Mate, is that what you did in Taipei? So I know obviously another big moment for you was, was picking up a gold medal in the Fina Swim Series over there. Uh, last year is, is that was that your race plan over there? And, and how was the feeling, you know pick up a, a gold medal on the international stage?
2: Um, funnily enough that that wasn't the race plan over there due to the size of the field and the quality of the field I decided to sit close to the front so I was in the top two or three the whole way um, It was a nice temperature as well. So I wasn't too concerned on how much liquid I was consuming just the, the usual three to four um didn't have to go any more than that and um yeah so and i just made my break towards that last last k and that's generally where i like to take it so it's not such a hassle mm. sprint finish towards the end i like if i could um every race i'd like to break away towards the end but you've just got to deal with situations as they come and it's not always that easy
0: Mate, we've mentioned feeding a few times, and for anyone who doesn't know open water swimming, give us a little insight into feeding. Um, I know obviously I can, but you're the guest here, so I'd, I'd rather you do it. You know, yeah. what What are you getting? Is it water? Is it Gatorade? Is it, are, are you getting um, little pouches? What, what are you getting? What is feeding to you? What do you like to have?
2: So I usually, um, the day before, like to stay hydrated with some Gatorade, so I have bottles of Gatorade, there mm-hmm. but then i also my race mix is is a custom blended um carbohydrate formula from infinite okay and basically it's got 90 grams of carbs in that drink um so very high in carbohydrate um which allows me to just keep going i guess and so that's also you can also customize that drink with caffeine and other sorts of um, ingredients, but I tend to just stay away from that because I get headaches if I have too much caffeine. So it's basically just very high carbohydrate formula, which I have in my foods.
0: And how often do you come in for a feed?
2: Um, So it's usually three. I would would have to say three. Um, And I'll usually space that out at two and a half.
0: Five,
2: seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Even,
0: even split it. Yeah, mate. Another. Sorry, start again. Talk to me about your uh, mate, legend of a coach, Jr. Obviously, someone who everyone in the coaching fraternity knows. How has he helped shape your career, and, and what lessons has he taught you? Um,
2: well, it's we've been swimming together now. I think it's seven years, so it's the longest coach I've ever had and there's a reason for that. And he, he shares very much the same qualities and morals as I do. He shares the, you know, if you're not winning, you come and you're losing, basically, mentality. And um, and that's why we've sort of been so successful together is because we're willing to put in 110% all the time and make sure that we can get the results we need. And, and also, like... You, He's one of those coaches that if you if you lose, he feels it too. And we've got to make sure that we can get him next time, basically. And um, his mentality towards swimming is, is second to none. He's got an absolute awesome passion for the sport. And it really shows towards his athletes and stuff. So it's um, good to be around.
0: Is there anything we wouldn't know about JR? I know Karina mentioned when I uh, spoke to her in terms of uh, maybe we would have thought she were being a lot more kilometres in her training than she is doing. Is there anything we we you know we don't know about JR that maybe you guys get to see on pool deck or on beach side now that we're not in the pool? Um, he's, he's,
2: he's got a reputation to be a bit of a hard-ass mm-hmm. and he's a bit of a soft-eared heart, so... Um, you know, you don't don't be scared if you <laughs> walk up next to him. He's not going to yell at you. He's very kind-hearted and, um,
0: yeah, it's, he's very genuine bloke. Yeah, nice. Mate, stepping away from the pool and the ocean now for a little bit, what do you get up to when you're, on? you know, not going up and down the black line? Obviously, we're not so much these days, but, you know, what do you get up to on the weekends away from swimming?
2: Um. So I'm still... Starting at the moment, doing a Bachelor of Urban Development, so I'm still trying to tick that off as much as I can. Um, and then I don't like sitting still too much, so I would go on my bungee cord or, you know, do a little gym workout or go for a walk or a run and um, that kind of thing or, yeah. or play uh, a few games on my computer or, or PlayStation just to pass the time a little bit.
0: Mate, games. What what sort of games are you into? What's your favorite at the moment?
2: Um, well everyone's playing Warzone at the moment, so that's what I've been doing. Um I'll, my also probably my favorite game of all time would have to be Assassin's Creed though.
0: Okay, nice. Nice. And how do you go on the banter, mate? Do you got the headset on? Do you do you get involved in the banter backwards and for, forwards with the <laughs> with the other players? Uh,
2: not not really. I've I've got a like a microphone set up and, and headphones <laughs> and I've got all the gear. but I sort of stay away from the banter a little bit because I'll, I'll get too angry and, and start uh,
0: throwing things. a smart decision, mate. The other day I walked past my brother's room and uh, and he was getting verbally abused by an eleven-year-old, and it was the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. So uh, it's probably a smart <laughs> decision. <laughs> yeah, But You mentioned uni just off. there. Um, talk to me about you know finding the balance between you know your your uni and what you want to do there and your studies and and training. Uh,
2: so I think I've only got two years left of my part-time uni course. Um, so urban developments, majoring in. I'm quantity Mm surveying, so for the last sort of four years apart from this last sort of six months, I was working as a cadet at a quantity surveying firm, so I've had a lot of experience in that sort of department and hopefully when my career finishes that I can make it (coughs) successful in in that career as well and, and I'm thoroughly enjoying that and yeah.
0: Where do you want that to take your mates? Obviously, that's you know the degree you're doing. What do you see yourself doing in the future? What do you want to get into?
2: Um, anywhere, anything in the
0: construction industry, yep.
2: construction management, um, construction finance, um, quantity surveying, basically. And how
0: do you how do you get into that? Was it something you know? Was it something that your family have done? Was it something you've always wanted to do? How, how do you get into that sort of stuff?
2: Um, so my uncle was uh, did the same degree as I'm doing. Uh, he's now working for a big construction firm on, in Brisbane. Yeah. And it was just an opportunity that came to me at school. Um, one of my mother's work colleagues actually had a husband who worked in the industry and was looking for a cadet. So that's where I started to sort of... Um, after school I went straight into a cadetship at their firm and then I started doing the end course after that. So, um, yeah, I was was lucky to be given that opportunity and, and find that, okay, I really like doing this and maybe I can do it as a career later on.
0: Yeah, nice. Hey, well done with that. You're much sharper tool in the shed than I am, that's for sure. Getting, <laughs> getting involved with that sort of stuff, I would know where to start. I had to Google what you were actually doing once I did my research. Oh, What is that? Um, <laughs> mate, I like to finish all of our chats with a little bit less serious questions, but also you know questions that give us still a bit of an insight into who you are away from the pool. So, mate, I'm going to throw some you know, questions out to you and just give me rapid fire, first thing that comes to your head, answers. Okay. All right, so we've got favourite music or artist? Madden Dragons. Nice. Uh, books or movies? Movies. All right, what's your favourite movie to watch?
2: Avengers Endgame.
0: Oh, very nice. Um, hey, what about your favourite TV show to binge watch? Uh,
2: it would have to be Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
0: Oh, very nice. Yeah, that is a... That is a good one. Mate, what about your favourite game, computer game or board game to play at home?
2: Um, so, at the moment, it's Warzone. But my favourite game of all time would be Assassin's Creed Black Flag and board game would have to be Monopoly.
0: Oh, very nice, mate. How do you go with Monopoly? Do you do you stay, you know, cool, karma collected? Do you get sort of... Feisty. I know, certainly in my family, there's been some fights and altercations <laughs> in the past. How do you go? Uh, you just got to get
2: lucky on the on the dice and just <laughs> land on the properties as you can, as fast as you can, and just buy them all up.
0: There you go. Look at you. you got, there you you got go. a strategy. It's probably yeah. where I go wrong. I have no strategy whatsoever, and in the end, I just try to start trying to shit stir everybody because it amuses me. So it's probably why <laughs> you probably win most of your games and I lose. games. Uh, it
2: depends how lucky I am with the dice. If I don't, if I land on the same property all the time, it's it doesn't look good.
0: <laughs> Mate, what about? I know obviously you enjoy your butter chicken, but away yeah. from you know your pre race stuff, what's your favourite meal to eat?
2: I do like to eat ravioli. Also, like, um, eating mean, chicken cabs as well.
0: The ravioli. What sauce do you have on it?
2: Uh, it used to be Five Brothers Five Cheeses, but I don't. They don't do that anymore, which is a bit of a shame. So mm. it's just a Napolitana kind of
0: tomato sauce. Tomato. See, I'm a carbonara guy. I feel like no. it's, uh, it's just with a bit of uh, with a bit of uh, bacon in there as well. Yeah. Oh, fight a garlic bread yeah it, mate there you go there you go you've just yeah. you've just made my favorite saturday night meal along with my wild turkey and coke on the side um when we redo this interview mate in two years time and hopefully you'll yeah. love to come back on for another chat with me what accomplishments do you want me to add to the intro about you obviously it's a pretty good one already but what do you want me to add up there
2: um hopefully i've would have achieved the a world title or, or represented Australia at the Olympics.
0: Very nice. I, mean, I think that is an awesome one to have now. I think that's a perfect place for us to wrap this up, Nick. Thank you very much for coming on for a chat and appreciate you taking the time out to share some insights. I know you've got a. To- pretty busy day i know you're looking to get out the door you have probably got something else lined up to go to in a sec so mate i appreciate you taking the time good luck over the next few months with training out on the beach there mate and staying motivated and ultimately hopefully soon we get back in the pool and you go out and try and secure your spot for 2021 olympics in tokyo until then mate thank you very much for coming on off the block swimming podcast Uh, thank you My, my pleasure today's episode is proudly brought to you by pro swim workouts Now, if you have not already, make sure you jump on our Instagram page and get amongst our brand new competition giveaway that we are running to celebrate the new partnership between ourselves and Arena Australia. Here's what you need to do to be in the running for the big prize. Head to Instagram and make sure you're following both Off The Blocks page and Arena Australia page. Once you've done that, head back to our page on Insta and find the competition giveaway post. And in the comments, tag a friend and tell us what your favorite episode has been so far of the podcast. Once you've done this, you will then be in the running for the arena back to swimming pack giveaway, which includes an arena backpack, kickboard and racing goggles, all valued at two hundred and fifty dollars. Now, this competition will end next Thursday, the 11th of June, and the winner will be announced right here on the podcast Friday, June the 12th. Now we are finishing the huge week of interviews in style tomorrow with Australian swimming legend, Mr. Daniel Kowalski. A fantastic chat with a great guy that you will not want to miss. So I cannot wait to bring that to you guys tomorrow. Until then, guys, have a great day and it's bye for now.
1: Yeah.